If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. I was trying to remember the last time you were here. I think it was two or three years ago. You grilled me very well. Yeah, but you、probably. dodged me. You were good at it. I kept asking you when you were going to leave Hulu. You did? You wouldn't answer. And I didn't? And then you eventually you left, so you got that answer. Yeah, like what, a year and a half later?、Or? Yeah. So, <laughs> broken watch, that theory. <laughs> my, that's my interview, my interview technique. So, I do want to ask you about Hulu, but let's start by talking about your new thing. Vessel. Vessel. You've talked a bit about this.、Yes. Um, it's still kind of in beta. It is in beta. But if people want to find you afterwards, you're going to hand out cards with a code <laughs> or something.、Um, to talk about what it is. So,、uh, what Vessel is, I'll talk about it from the consumer perspective and then also the creator. So, Vessel is a next generation video service that brings you the videos that you love early.、Uh, that, that's what it is from a consumer perspective. From a creator perspective, it's an opportunity to earn about 20 times. As much as they're used to earning from advertising on free. Could earn as much as. Could earn as much as 20 times as much as they currently make through advertising on the free web.、Um, so it's, it's primarily an app, right? That's where you want me to watch it, is, is on my phone or maybe on an iPad? It, really, it's any device that you love. So your computer, laptop,、uh, your mobile device,、uh, tablet,、um, eventually any internet connected screen on the planet,、uh, you'll be able to access Vessel from.、Um, And, and again, there's many places to watch video. The, the、yes. obvious one is YouTube. Now there's Facebook as well. Why would they, they come to Vessel and, and or pay Vessel money? Well, it's the same question that you could ask consumers in 1979 when there was just NBC, ABC, and CBS. At that time, everybody was pretty happy、uh, as a consumer. They were watching Battle of the Network Stars and Fantasy Island and thinking that life could not get any better. And then along came cable. And, You know, fast forward you know, 25, 30 years, and now you've got Game of Thrones and Mad Men and all this wonderful content that would never have been possible if not for、uh, cable. So you're saying if you pay us, we can give you stuff you wouldn't see normally. But actually, what you're doing right now is say, showing you stuff that you can see, it's just you can see it three days earlier. Well, why do I want to pay access to see something three days before I'm going to see it on YouTube or somewhere else? It's the same question that I would ask why did 25 million people want to watch Fifty Shades of Grey last weekend versus waiting a couple of months and getting it for a lot less expensive on iTunes?、Right. Uh, it, it's a fair question to ask, but it turns out there's passionate fans that love great content, and that, that early access is something that's very, very important to them. So,、have. windowing is something that, that keeps a lot of the entertainment business alive, and it's justified in different ways. And I was just sitting here with Kevin trying to explain to him that. 
I don't want to go to the theater or can't go to the theater in most mm -hmm. cases, but some people do. Yeah. Um, but it is a different experience to go watch that movie in a theater. Mm -hmm. um, we're here, it's, and, and you have a very nice uh, app. It looks mm -hmm. very nice. But it is the exact same content, and I'm watching it on my phone or on my laptop the same way I would just three days more. Um, who is the audience who wants to, who's passionate enough to pay extra to see something they could see for free? It's, it's anyone, you already answered the question, it's anyone who has passion for content. So, and, and you, you actually highlighted this uh, a couple of months ago when you tweeted and said, um, how many people would love to pay a couple of dollars to get early access to Serial, that audio right. podcast? And I'd argue that the answer is quite a lot yeah. uh, that would be willing to pay a couple bucks to get even just three days early access to, to each episode of Serial. That's the kind of person we're going after, which is someone who cares deeply about a creator or a brand. And our conviction, and keep in mind as entrepreneurs, you have to have conviction about something that the rest of the world disagrees with you on. And our conviction is that people adore content and are willing to pay to get early access to it. And they're not so precise by saying, well, I'm only passionate about 22-minute sitcoms or 90-minute uh, feature films. We believe that they're passionate about just good content, and that's our job to deliver it to them early. So don't you think they're passionate about a specific creator, whether it's Tyler or PewDiePie or someone, and that's who they want to see, not just a bunch of stuff that is early? Well, keep in mind, our focus is on two things, creators specifically, and we're, we have a lot of creators on the platform already that are offering early access to their biggest fans. And then the second thing is people are passionate about things like music. Uh, and so we have a lot of music on the service. And so I think it, you'd have to obviously ask consumers, well, what are you passionate about? And I think you're right that a lot of it comes back to individual musicians, individual uh, creators, uh, but it also comes down to categories like surfing or music. Uh, right. I think people are very passionate about so those I, things too. I've described this, when, I, when you and I have talked about this before, it sounds like a fan club. And I don't mean that in a derogatory yeah. sense, because that's a good business model. Uh, but you, you didn't like that. And, and on stage earlier, Lloyd Braun was saying, this is not a fan club for his service. But again, that kind of seems like it is. Like if you really loved Howard the Creator or, or Howard Stern or the Kardashians in his case, or whatever YouTube talent you've signed up so far, why not just call it what it is? Say, it's a fan club. You get early access and maybe a t-shirt, too, or socks, or whatever. Well, <laughs> socks are not in the business plan. Uh, I think it's a compliment, what you say, but I think that if you were to say the same thing to John Malone in 1979, I think he would uh, probably, you know, kind of quizzically look at you a little bit, and, uh, and the reason why is because what we're doing, I'd argue, is a bit more, it's a bit broader than that, uh, quite a bit. Um, when you think about the world and how many, you're passionate about certain things and I'm passionate about certain things. And in Vessel, we're striving to create a platform that allows you to go and, and, uh, and be able to partake in that passion and be able to get early access to it. It's very similar to the, you know, the founders of ESPN thought about sports. They looked at the market and said, well, yes, there's seven minutes or three minutes at night at 11 o'clock on news uh, broadcasts where they cover sports but we want more, and we think we can do a better job with it. Um, and they created ESPN. Everybody thought they were foolish. They thought that ABC's Wide World of Sports yep. was gonna kill them, and uh, it turned out that the folks at ESPN knew what they were doing, uh, and had a very good business model to pursue that. So you just signed on Universal Music uh, for a deal, I think we've already written about it, check your websites, um, uh, to get early access from them. You already signed on Warner Music. The Universal one's kind of interesting, because. Universal owns a video service called Vivo, so some of their stuff is gonna appear on your service before it appears on Vivo. How'd you pull that one off? Well, uh, first things first, Vivo's on Vessel already, mm -hmm. so we have a fantastic relationship with Vivo, and uh, um, we're very, very proud to promote Vivo and make that 
uh, into as big a business as they want it to be. Uh, and then in addition to that, we do have a relationship with Universal as well, where all of their artists, if they decide to, could provide early access for their music video content. And uh, we're very excited about that. Um, but, but both of them are working with us. It's not just one or the other. And in general, when you're, you've gone out and you've gone and talked to YouTube uh, stars specifically, it seems like from the outside that you've had a, a difficult time bringing them on as quickly as you want. What, what are, what's, what's, the, what's the pushback you're getting from YouTube stars or their managers or even YouTube itself when you try to make this pitch? Well, I think that first thing I would disagree with is that, uh, and you've used the service yourself, there's a lot of creators that are already on Vessel, and uh, we've had just a tremendous amount of folks that have applied to be on Vessel as well. Um, what we have been doing prior to December 17th was uh, operating in a very, very quiet way, doing our best to not have you discover what Sorry. we were up to. So, um, and, uh, and so in, in that phase of, of business, you want to make sure that uh, you're being as quiet as possible and having very discreet conversations. So in that case, we're very limited just based on the size of the team because we are a startup. Um, since that time, when we actually reached out and spoke to you on December 17th, we've been inundated with creators that want to get on the service because they now know about it. And so uh, I think uh, as you spend more and more time on the service, uh, uh, it's, it's a fair question in terms of uh, kind of, you know, prior to uh, December. But if you look at the number of creators that are already on the service, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of momentum. There's a free version of Vessel, has yeah. ads, that makes sense. When I pay you money, I still see ads. Yes, that is correct. Why, 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 why am I paying you and seeing ads? Well, one of the things that uh, you have to keep in mind, two things. One is when we say advertising, we mean a modest amount of advertising. And one of the things I'm proudest of in terms of the product uh, that you see today is that we have five-second advertisements that run in front of the they video. They seem shorter than five seconds. They seem like they're three. Well, that's great. Uh, uh, but what we're also seeing is that people remember the advertisers, which is really important. So we've managed to, I think, thread a needle, which is how do you deliver highly effective advertising with high favorability, but at the same time, a consumer doesn't see it as a, as a tax? And that's really tough to pull off, very, very difficult to pull off. And I think we've done it. Uh, and I think so, they're great. I'm, I, 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 will, I will dispense with objectivity. I think that's the best way to show ads right now is just a couple seconds, gets it out of my head. I don't, I don't begrudge you guys for showing it to me. How hard of that is a sell to Wait a minute, did you just ad? say something nice about Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I like it a lot. Awesome. I like your ads. Um, <laughs> how hard was that to sell, to sell to advertisers who are used to showing me 30 seconds, which now seems insane? So you would think that going into Madison Avenue, that um, it would have been a, no, I need a 30-second canvas. I need to tell my story. And a lot of the credit goes to J.P. Colasso and his team uh, in New York that uh, J.P. runs the advertising business for Vessel. Um, once we showed it to marketers and agencies, it was like the light bulb went off, uh, went on in, in, in people's minds. And, and I think it was because they are consumers as well. They have the same response that you and I have had where Nothing's worse than when you're about to watch a two-minute video and you have a 30-second or even a 60-second pharmaceutical ad. You just want to, you know, jump out the, the window. And so as consumers, those agencies and, and the marketers, they instantly got it. And so one of the most pleasant surprises about building Vessel has been the responsiveness of Madison Avenue. Um, they just got it from day one. So let's talk a bit about building Vessel. Um, as you said, I wrote about you several times. At one point uh, a year ago, you were out in New York talking to, to conventional publishers, people who made magazines and newspapers about getting their stuff for your site. And that seemed really odd to me. 
um, and, and I couldn't understand why, what the proposition was going to be and why it would work, and it seems yeah. like you've you decided that isn't the, did you decide that wouldn't work? Did they decide it wouldn't work? No, no, it's funny. So when we went out, uh, this was December of, uh, so a little over a year ago, um, our intention was always video. That was always the, the thing that uh, we were most passionate about and felt that the world needed, which is this early access platform to great video content. And one of the things that we knew was happening was in the magazine world, all of those publishers um, recognized that as they were moving digital, their brands were synonymous with very passionate categories like sports, in the case of Sports Illustrated, or general interest news coverage, in the case of Time Magazine. Um, and so what we wanted to do was, A, go and get their short form video, because I think it's fascinating that a lot of them would love to become next generation cable channels uh, on the internet. Um, but no they, one's watching their video. But, it, but in, and they're basically investing in video. So Sports Illustrated has a sports center-like environment that they're pumping out tons of video every day, and they get access to all the sports talent that you would imagine a Sports Illustrated band, brand does. So, so our interest in them was always video, and so that's why you see Sports Illustrated and Time and People. And, and you, you know, ended up doing some of those deals. We did, we did. But, but there, was, there was other talk about just actually getting articles. Yeah, so the, the articles around the video, of yeah. course. Um, and the reason why we were focused on that was in the earliest of days, it was always a question of how quickly will the market move in terms of enough video creators that could sustain this great service. And in the summer of 2013, when we were writing the business plan for Vessel, um, the market was very, very nascent. Um, thankfully, over the following 12 months, this explosion of creators have, has happened such that we didn't have to in any way invest in text content. It's all video content. So you, things shifted over time, the, the way startups shift over time. Well, True North was always video. So, so that was always the intention. And so it was just how do we get there as fast as possible? And the, and the magazine industry was a big way to get you there. You raised a big pile of money, $75, 79000000 million. Uh, Jeff Bezos is one of the investors. Um, did you go out and raise that money before you had done anything and then, then created a business plan? Or did you create the business plan, start it up, and then raise the money? No. So uh, Rich Tom uh, and I, who co-founded the business, we financed the business ourselves for the first year. And it wasn't until after that when we actually had traction with advertisers and content creators and an actual product um, to, to begin to demo to potential investors when we raised the Series A. And, and some folks have told me that that's actually just the beginning of what you'll need to raise, that if you get any traction at all, you're going to have to go back out. And in fact, there's sort of some sort of trigger that says if you sign up X creators or X number of views, you'll be able to pull down a bunch more money. Wow, that is a leading question. That's just a question. <laughs> do you need, I mean, is that money enough to get going, or do you need to yeah. raise a lot more to do what you actually want to do? So the, the short answer uh, is, I don't know where you heard that clause. That clause doesn't exist, uh, first and foremost. Um, but fun question. Yeah. Uh, and then second thing is that um, the, the growth of media businesses uh, that operate on the Internet does tend to be capital intensive. Uh, these things typically are not built on a shoestring, and that's one of the reasons why we raised a considerable Series A. Um, but it all really comes down to how we decide to grow the business because there's the slow and steady approach, which you could certainly optimize for cash flow and manage a business that way. Or there is the put the pedal to the metal approach to, to talk about the other end of the spectrum, which I think would require more capital. Um, but we raised, obviously, a considerable amount of money last year, and we have, obviously, plenty in the bank. So... Um, but it all depends on how we decide to grow the company. I talked to somebody at YouTube last month, and they said the company is obsessed with you guys. Um, and this person also said that was not a good idea. They should be more worried about Facebook. Why do you think uh, um, you, you're occupying so much uh, mental space at, at, at uh, YouTube? Well, I don't know if we are. Um, it, it, uh, I've heard things like, like what you said before. Um, 
And I don't know. Uh, I, I just don't know if we are is, is the short, short answer. I, I, I will provide a little bit of context on just the video industry, which is, you know, I think it's next month is the 20th anniversary of online video. That was, you know, 20 years ago almost today uh, is when the first video was streamed over a browser. And it is interesting that for a lot of that time period, there's only been one player in the market. Uh, and, and by that, I'm talking about free ad-supported uh, content. And so, um, uh, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't know the Yeah, YouTube is just 10 years old. Um, uh, when you left Hulu and you had a, a successful and also controversial career there, um, I think a lot of people would, would have bet that you would not have gone back into online video after that. Did you have some other plan, or did you always want to do this? Well, I've always been a, 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 someone who just absolutely adores the intersection of technology and storytelling. Um, you know, there's a, a saying that says, you don't get to pick your passions, your passions pick you. Um, and that's a big part of who I am. It's a big part of who Rich, Rich is as well. Um, but we're also problem solvers, and we love the idea of looking at what we think are very, very big unsolved problems and going out and trying to solve them. And so when Rich and I took some time and looked at the world's kind of problems that were unsolved and you know, what we thought could lead to building an important and lasting business, we just we couldn't stop talking about what Vessel is and, and what Vessel hopefully will become. It seemed extra surprising because you know, at Hulu, you started with all this awesome content from the TV networks. Um, and it seemed, as we were all sort of trying to imagine what you do next, if you were going to do another video project, everything that's out there that's worth watching has been sold and, and, and acquired. I mean, you, there was nothing left for you to find, but you said, uh, no, it's YouTube. Was that always the plan, that you would go to YouTube talent? Well, let me take a step back, because I, I think it's so, it's so easy uh, uh, in business to be very micro-focused and say, oh my gosh, everything's been done, it's spoken for, et cetera. So 20-year anniversary of online video, um, to give you context, 20 years into the commercialization of television uh, was 1961. That was before cable, that was before downloads, that was before satellite and fiber, uh, that was before Netflix. Uh, quite a lot happened after 1961 in television. Uh, 20 years after the commercialization of radio started was like 1940, before talk radio, DJs, all the things that define radio, Pandora and, and Spotify. So when we look at 20 years into online video, um, I think it's 1961 TV. Um, our focus is on the future, not the history. And so um, when Rich and I were talking about the way the internet should work for video, we see the world's greatest distribution infrastructure um, in the history of, uh, of civilization. I mean, it's amazing to think that all over the world you can get video content in your back pocket. Like that, that's like amazing. And what what doesn't make sense to us is that there are not scores and scores and scores of businesses that approximate the size of ESPN on the basis of web distribution. Well, that was the pitch the last couple of years from all these MCNs. We're the next ESPN, we're the next Bravo, and you can buy us now cheap because we're worth billions. And then they all sold out within a year or two because it turned out it was very expensive and difficult to do mm -hmm. that. What do you think those, that model got wrong? It seems like they got something wrong. I think the, the model was wrong. I, I think it's very difficult to build a business when you're making about 
$2.20 per thousand views, which is what uh, today's free web-based businesses are. And you fix that by charging people to watch your stuff? In part. In yeah. part, we have a premium approach to the advertising as well, which I don't want to in any way uh, minimize. But the combination of those is over fifty dollars per thousand views. So what did what was uh, uh, I said? You did, had a controversial career at Hulu. There was a long time when people like me kept saying, "Well, he, he's trying to quit or he's trying to get fired," and, um, and eventually you did leave. <laughs> um, and it seemed like a lot of the fundamental problems you had at Hulu were because you had owners who were conflicted both with each other and also with the model. Um, looking back, do you think that's sort of what handicapped you from the get-go at Hulu? Well, a couple of things. The first thing, which I think is very important for me to say, is that, boy, do I love Hulu. I love the team there. I love Hulu as a company. I love the brand. Um, I'm rooting for them in a big, big way. Uh, and competing I, with them. Um, well, not necessarily. They're focused on sitcoms and dramas that are 22 minutes and 44 minutes and feature films. Um, that's not our focus. But um, So that's the first and most important thing. And I'm still very close with everybody at the media companies that were behind Hulu as well. Um, and so, um, so that's something that might surprise you is that you're, you're close with the folks at ABC and Fox. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, let's go the through people, every the, one people, of the people who still work there, or the people, people who that, used to work there. No, the people that still All work right. there. All right, good I, enough. I, 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 we could go through the whole list, and I probably saw them in the last 28 days. So, because um, you have a reputation, by the way, which you know about, which is that you can occasionally be abrasive with your partners or employees. Me? Or even, yeah, yeah. And by the way, I get the same, so I hear you. But, um, but that's not that's not news to you. <laughs> That's not news that, that, that occasionally you've, you've, you've ruffled feathers. I would say in life, it, it's easy to be misunderstood. And let me at least make my case, yeah, yeah. which is I'm a nice guy. I'm a very happy guy. But what I also am is I'm someone who ardently believes in serving customers and, and simplifying the world and asking, what can you do to delight your customers and then work your way back from that? that that's, I learned that um, at Disney. I learned that at Amazon. And so, uh, so in, in, in life, when you're trying to create a service that in some cases is disruptive, having that backbone to stand up for customers, it might not be the most popular position to take in the room, but it's a very important position to take in the room. And so, um, so that's how I would describe uh, my reputation uh, as opposed to you know, the things that you mentioned. Um, you're, you're pro-consumer. Um, but what did you learn from that experience? Um, and, and how is that affecting what you're building today? Well, you learn a lot. I mean, one of the biggest uh, lessons that I learned is how important culture is to build a world-class business. And I invested a lot of myself and the team, the senior leadership team at Hulu, invested a tremendous amount of their brain power and their energy in defining a, a world-class culture. And when you do that, you attract talent that shares your values and principles. And as importantly, you repel people who don't share those same values and principles. So that was probably the biggest lesson, which is the importance of culture um, combined with a great mission. Uh, if you can do those two things, you're off to a good start. And then start. what about structuring the company? You, you did a joint venture with content owners who yes. wanted to, um, at the time it seemed very, very far thinking of them to do what they were doing. Absolutely. And then eventually it seems like they thought, oh, maybe we th we've gone a little too far, let's rein this in. Um, and uh, Rio Karaf, who's from at Vivo, I think he had some of the same issues in terms of having owners who are also content creators and, and distributors. Do you think that model can work? Is there a way for media companies to do joint ventures and to own their own stuff, or is it fundamentally not going to work? It's a complicated answer. I think the macro answer is absolutely it can work. There's a long history of joint ventures, mostly overseas, so a lot of times they're not covered, that have birthed very helpful, mostly uh, cable channels or, or, or satellite channels uh, uh, through joint ventures. So there is a history of joint ventures that are successful. 
in the case of uh, Vivo and, and, and in my experience at Hulu, um, there's no way those companies could have been started if not for the joint venture structure. So I think it was absolutely the right decision to start those businesses. Now the trick becomes, is there ever a point at which you start to adjust and emerge and let the boat float on its own bottom? Uh, and, and, and that's obviously a, a really important question and one that ultimately the media companies need to make for themselves. And that was something you wanted them to do. You wanted to sort of set it up as a separate structure. You wanted to IPO. I did. I did. Why didn't they do that? Well, I don't think that they, and I think they would say this, and Chase Carey, I think, was on this stage a couple of years ago and said the same thing, which is that there's the great unknown as to where this goes. And I think it was very rare for them to ever see the kind of growth rates that they have seen at Hulu the past six, seven years. And it's one of the few things that people look at and realize it's a brand that consumers love. It's something that is working uh, in terms of generating over probably close to a billion dollars in, in, in uh, payments to the content industry up from zero in 2007, and it's hard to part with that. Uh, even, even if it might be the right thing to serve Hulu as a company, I can understand the conflict and the debate that they have in rooms that I was not a part of, obviously. It seemed like its success also threatened their core business, or that was at least a concern they had. That could you think be a they ever got over that? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I could easily see the, the logic that says, wow, if Hulu becomes the thing that it ultimately could become, it could be uh, threatening to the existing um, modus operandi. Okay. I've got more questions for you, but I want to give the audience a chance. Do you guys have questions for Jason? If you do, use a microphone. At least one. I bet there's a second one there, too. <clears throat> hey, Owen. Hey, Owen Thomas from ReadWrite. Hey, Jason. Um, so I've, I've seen you speak several times at uh, Business Insider's Ignition Conference, um, at the Code Conference previously. You seem a lot happier on stage today. <laughs> and um, no maybe, maybe, maybe this goes to the culture question, but um, I mean, looking back at Hulu and, and the structure there uh, versus Vessel, a startup that you and Rich, uh, Tom, have largely funded yourself until, until recently, it, is it just easier to do something like that as a startup in the media space? Well. A couple of things. So there's a couple of people here in the audience that uh, were at Hulu for many, many years. And so I will say that I, I, I meant to when I said, I'm a happy guy. And, uh, and boy, was I happy during my, my six years at Hulu. Um, it was uh, an unbelievably fulfilling uh, uh, chapter of my career. And so, so, so just know that I'm, I'm a happy guy in general. I will say that to your, to your question, it is, there is a, uh, um, an enjoyment that Rich and I have, uh, which we just didn't have for the, the six years that, uh, that I was at Hulu, which was to have the governance that is very clean and simple. Um, and that's something that we appreciate, and, and it's certainly helpful. But you know, contrast that with what Peter said about the start of Hulu. We felt, thanked our lucky stars for the content that we had access to in 2007. That is a gift, and that is an unbelievably valuable thing that, of course, we don't have that on day one at Vessel. We have to bootstrap our way, and it's very expensive, and it's our own money in the first year, and, and obviously others that we take great care of in terms of our investors. So um, there are two different paths. Um, I will say that I was happy at both, and I'm happy at both, um, but it's a fair question uh, in terms of uh, you know, the, you know, the structure. Right on. Thank you. 
Hi, uh, Ryan Lolo, TechCrunch. Um, I'm wondering, when you talk about bringing the content on board and getting these creators uh, comfortable with uh, giving you early access to this content, um, what kind of structure do these deals have? Are there upfront commitments or guarantees um, that you provide to them um, to get them comfortable with giving you 72 hours? Um, and the only other thing I'll say is, uh, I, I used to love your quarterly and yearly updates uh, at Hulu, and I hope that now that you're public with Vessel, like you sort of bring that same kind of transparency to what you're building in the new thing as well. Give us some more content, please. Okay, okay. Well, we, we always tried to manage uh, Hulu as though we're a public company, so um, thanks for the feedback on your, on your second question. In, in terms of the relationships that we have with content creators, we haven't gone into great detail as to how all of them work. What we have talked about is the structure, uh, which is that 70% of all ad revenue that a content creator uh, generates from their, ad, from their ad revenue goes back to the content creator. So a very generous percentage of all the ad dollars go back. And that's a straight deal, it's not variable. That's a straight, you know, it, it's a straight deal for, for everyone. So 70% uh, of, of, the, of the advertising revenue goes back to the creator. And keep in mind, that's premium advertising uh, in terms of not just the CPMs that advertisers are putting on it uh, and the demand for it, but also very high sell-through. So that's one element. And then the other element is 60% of all subscription dollars go back to the creator as well. So it's the combination of those two things in our execution that gets you to over $50 per thousand views compared to say $2.20, uh, which is what But in some cases you are writing some checks in advance. In, in advance, so um, when we were quiet and, and going around uh, across the country and sometimes across the globe, we provided a minimum guarantee. And these were for people who didn't know us, we had not announced ourselves to the world, and we wanted to make sure that they knew that over the next several years they could count on a minimum amount of uh, payments from us. They weren't advances, they were minimum guarantees, and by our projections, we think the amount that those folks will earn from their activity on, this, on the platform is gonna be well in excess of what their minimum guarantee when is. When can everyone here see the app? Uh, well, people can go to vessel.com and put in their email address and, and get uh, uh, registered for an invite, and we are letting in people every day, so um, if, if people in this room uh, uh, you know, put in your email today, um, this quarter they would get uh, access to the, to the service. And we'll say something else nice. It's a very, very nice looking app. You should check it out. Wow, Jason. that was very nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Thanks you very much, Peter.